What are we waiting for? It's out of here! Kick is away. And the kick is... It's good! He's in, baby! We are going, baby! Oh, my God! Deep to right field! Way up there! And way out of here! What's going on, guys? Got another edition of the Connor and Mark Show alongside Mark Rogers. I'm Connor Gabe. Also have Mike Quinn along with us, and got a special guest today. He covers the Flyers. Uh, his name is Jason Martinez. You can follow him on Twitter at Jason Mert. Jason, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about some Flyers. Ah, what's going on, boys? Doing good. Jason, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate it. Oh, uh, no problem. Yeah, hey Jason, and, and one more Mark here. Um, uh, you know, I do the show here with Connor, and, and again, we really do appreciate you coming on, and uh, can't wait to uh, jump into some Flyers hockey with you. Let's do it, man. Drop the puck. Let's go. All right, so, uh, Jason, this is Mike here. Uh, first question, I think, um, with the most recent thing in our minds being the draft, how would you rate the Flyers' overall draft um, with, like, a, an A, B, C, or D grade? And uh, what can we expect from each individual player that we drafted, like Tyson Forrester and Emil Andre and Zade Wisdom? Um, it's hard to grade it. I mean, look, out of... The first round in the NHL, 15% of the guys go on to play at least 100 NHL games, right? I mean, they're kids at that point. And there's a few guys that are, that are candidate, you know, off the draft, you know, some players from time to time. But, you know, when you're picking 23rd, which is where they took Tyson Forster, you know, when you get to that point in the draft, you know, a good draft class, and by all, you know, all, all the experts say this was a pretty good one. You're you're getting still a player that's got a flaw. You want to get somebody that does something really well, but you know if you're taking twenty third, that they probably have a flaw. And his flaw is skating. It's not great. It's not perfect. It's something that he needs to work on. Um, but you, you see a player there that has a willingness and wants to shoot the puck a lot. And the reason why he's a first round pick is is that true? I mean, he's got an absolute bomb of a shot. So. Um, you know, when you look at the draft in total, I mean, I think they accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. Um, picking 23rd and, you know, having those third round picks when they went into the draft and, and everything like that. You know, they got a, they, they a second round pick. Around, you know, young defensemen and smallish in size, but with potential really good upside offensively. So, I mean, it, it's hard to give it a grade because, you know, who the hell knows? <laughs> but, um, you know, when you look at it on paper, and I think they checked the boxes that they wanted to check in the draft, and, and that's really it's all what it's all about. Yeah, I think that's great. I think uh, looking now, we've had Zade Wisdom and Tyson Forrester both signed to their uh, entry-level deals. Who do you think out of those two, or out of anybody that we drafted, do you think will make it to the NHL first? Well, I mean, you got to go with the first-round pick. I mean, you know, when you're talking about a guy like who's a great story, and it's not going to be from lack of effort. You know, um, but he was a fourth round pick for a reason. Um, he's not thought of in, in, in those same circles. So, I mean, when you look at the first round picks, uh, you know, the drop off from round to round and guys that get to the NHL is incredibly pronounced. So, I mean, it, if you're, if I'm handicapping and I got to put any money on a guy, then I'm obviously going to put it on the first round pick on Tyson Forster. Yeah. And, and kind of moving, um, 
on to the active roster, Jason, uh, in regards to Chuck Fletcher and, and making some moves already. Um, you know, the departures of Pitlick, Thompson, and Grant. Do you feel those were the right moves for this hockey team uh, moving forward, or do you think those were the wrong moves? Uh, well, I mean, all were on expiring deals, obviously. All are veteran players. All are bottom six players. And in this world, you know, of, of a flat cap, and the flat cap isn't just this year. But, but by you know, I think it's probably at least three years of a flat cap, maybe up to five or six. Um, you got to make these decisions. And while I would have loved to have kept Tyler Pitlick because he was kind of a known commodity in your bottom six, you knew what you were going to get. Not a flashy player, not a dynamic player, but a consistent professional. Um, but when you, when he went out and was able to get more than one year term and uh, a raise, then I got to go, okay, I'm fine with not trying to match that offer because I got a bunch of guys coming. You know, I got Nicholas Albee too, Bill. That needs less money and can fill that role. Is it going to be as consistent as Pitlick? Maybe not. Um, maybe it was better than Pitlick. I don't know. Um, but, and then I have a guy like Connor Bunnett who can fill the Nicholas Albee to Bell role. And that is also cheaper. So, I'm in a flat cap role. I allocate my dog. I can watch some here with my cap fist because it's not just this year. It's going to be multiple seasons with the flat cap. So I have to really show you with that. If I can save seven hundred dollars or $800,000 every year for the next three years because I'm going with Nicholas Albay-Kubel over Tyler Pitlick, then that, that, I think that's the right move. Yeah, and I know how you just alluded to, uh, you know, Albay-Kubel kind of stepping in for the Pitlick role. But in regards to the Grant and, and Thompson departures, do you kind of have a projected guy to step into those roles, or do you think the, the Flyers might make a move uh, in free agency to fill those roles? No, no. I mean, you got guys in the house to fill those roles. I mean, you're talking about fourth-line players. Now, it's good to look, you put yourself in a position where you can still make a deal at the deadline should you need to acquire a Nate Thompson or a Derek Grant type player, you know, a veteran player that can kill penalties, that uh, has some playing experience. So you have a little bit of cap space left over to be able to do that. It, should you need that, you know, when you get up, up towards a, a trade deadline, like they did this past year. Um, but no, I, I don't need to carry guys like that during the season. I got to see what some of these young players are doing, and I got to have roster spots to do it. I got to have the amount of contracts I need to do it. And you know, I, I don't want to bring those guys in, you know, that are 34, 35 years old to block young players from getting up to the NHL. Again, especially in this flat cap world where I got to pay guys, I got to get more from guys on less money. So I got to get more from players on entry level contracts and entry level contracts. And, you know, I got an expansion draft I have to worry about too. Not that I would protect obviously Thompson, Grant, or Pitlick, but still, I have to, I have to consider that element of it as well when I'm giving out contracts. Yeah, let's talk about Eric Gustafson, and that's the only uh, big signing the Flyers made so far. They signed to a one year, $3 million deal. He had a big year in 2018, 2019, putting up 60 points. You had a chance to talk to him on your podcast, Flyers Daily. What do you, what kind of role do you think he's going to fill uh, in the top six? And do you see him kind of replacing what Niskanen brought to the team last year? I don't think he's a Matt Niskanen replacement. Um, I think he's just a guy, another a supplemental a weapon, a guy that can be a really good offensive defenseman. Um, that's cheaper than a player with a similar skill set in Shane Gossespin. So I, mean, I believe that they'll probably move on from Gossespin. And what's going to expect a lot in the return 
Like, you're not going to trade Ghost and get some great player in return. Um, what you're getting in return is, is $4.5 million in left your books. And because you signed Gustafson, that turns out to be a million and a half. Because Ghost makes four and a half, Gustafson makes three, plus you don't have the term. Mm-hmm. When you saw that Nate Schmidt, who's got five years left at six per, get traded for a third round pick, tells you all you need to know. The, the, the value in, in trading Nate Schmidt to Vancouver had nothing to do with getting a third round pick. What it had to do with was clearing five years at $6 million per. You're trading for cap space. So I, I think they'll be in a similar situation in regards to Shane Gossett. Well, they devalued him so much that they didn't get anything in return for him. But do you think that Las Vegas devalued Nate Schmidt or did they value the cap space more? They valued the cap space more so they could sign Petrangelo. And the Flyers, not that they're signing a Petrangelo, but the cap space is more valuable than the player. Well, you, you mentioned a couple things about trades, and uh, obviously Shane Gostisbehar was a big uh, trade rumor for the Flyers. There was also the big trade rumor of Patrick Laine from Winnipeg. Um, what do you think the Flyers would realistically have to give up, um, whether that be draft picks, a couple big-name prospects? What do you think would be your perfect trade to get Laine, and are those rumors even real? No, I think they're, they're real. I mean, I think there's been conversation. There's just too many people that have reported on it that I trust. Um, for them all to be wrong would be highly unlikely, in my opinion. Um, I do think that the price that Chevy's asking, Kevin Sherrill, the, the GM of Winnipeg, has been exorbitant and too high, especially considering the fact that he's got one year left on his contract and he's still an RFA and you got to pay him. So, um, I mean, look, if you, if you want to get him, I think it's going to cost you, you know, maybe a, a pick and a Stanheimer or Myers. I think that's a, that's the price tag. Um, I think the pick is a first round pick in next year's draft, a Sandheim and Myers, and maybe even something, you know, a lower end prospect as well. I mean, you're talking about a unicorn. This is a guy that has scored 40 plus in the league, can score 40 plus in any given season. Maybe you give him, he can probably even, he's going to give you a 50 goal season from time to time as well. Um, he's improved his 200 foot game. He's not just a total liability at, at you know, the defensive neutral zone and defensive end of the ice. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's a really steep price and it comes down to valuing, uh, a very streaky scoring winner or a defenseman that's a top four defenseman in the NHL. To me, I value the defenseman more. I think the position just that is more valuable to teams, especially, you know, when you look at the Royal Flowers being sniper, well, they were the sixth highest scoring team in the NHL regular season. They didn't have trouble scoring goals until they got to the playoffs. But that's playoff hockey. You know, a lot of teams have trouble scoring in the playoffs. Matter of fact, last year, not this past season, the season before, Tampa, who set all kinds of records, had trouble scoring in the playoffs. And the reason why they got swept by Columbus is because they had to find a way to win two win games and they didn't they didn't know how to do it. So, um, look, I, I would not be comfortable giving up that pass to the game. He's a dynamic player, and he'd be fun. He'd be fun to cover. I get it, but that, that's a hefty price. Yeah, and kind of moving back into, you know, these these young guys that might or will come up at this point now with the three departures um, in the bottom six. What guys do you think um, really have a shot at making this roster? And and um, do you really have like a favorite prospect, such as you know Morgan Frost, Cam York, um, you know Ratcliffe, any of these guys? 
Well, I mean, I'm, I, I think Frost, obviously, he's going to have to earn it in a very unique situation. And I don't, look, I don't know what the deal is going to be with the AHL. Um, you know, that's a totally gate-driven league, so I don't know how they're going to survive, um, if they're going to survive or what the, what the NHL is going to do to try and help the AHL. So I, I'm just not sure about that. But um, I think Frost has a really good chance of making it. I think if Patrick is good to go and he's going to play the wing, Frost will play the wing, um, and eventually maybe move into a center role in a year or so. Or if, you know, Frost struggles or if Nolan Patrick struggles, you move Frost into the middle and move Nolan Patrick to the wing. A lot of options there. There's a lot of optionality. Um, I'm really intrigued by Zamora because I think his development's been pretty meteoric. Um, he's really kind of moved up, and you know, when I saw that he was on that roster and they traveled him to Toronto to the Hub City, that told me something. So I, I, they really like this kid, and I think he's going to be a really good player too. Uh, as far as York goes, you know, we haven't gotten a look at him this summer, other than the picture that he put out of, you know, himself working out in the gym and boy, he put on a ton of muscle. Um, but we didn't have a rookie camp or, you know, you know, a prospect camp or anything like that. So we didn't get a chance to look at him this summer. Um, but I, mean, I think putting on the, the right muscle on his, on his body, a guy who is such a good skater and will go back and get pucks and, you know, turn his back to the play in the defensive zone. I think that, yeah, I'm excited about him as well. All right, let's ask about Carter Hart. Obviously, uh, if you look at the, season, the whole season in, in the totality, it was really well, especially in the bubble. Um, what kind of outlook do you have on Hart for next year? And do you think he has a real shot at being, you know, upper echelon goaltender, top five, uh, you know, at such a young age? Yeah, I think he's about ready to, to jump into that pantheon um, with the top bullies in the league. He's in tier two now. Maybe, maybe even come into the year, I think he was in tier three. Um, I think what he did this season in particular at home um, and in the bubble told you that he's a tier two. Um, but can you get into that tier one? Tier one is when I mean, you're talking about the best of the best in the league, right? You're talking about, I mean, I don't even know if I would put Carey Price in it at this point. <laughs> you might name it after Carey Price, but as good as he was in the playoffs, he, he hasn't been that goalie um, for a few years now. But you're talking about Vasilevsky. You're talking about Jacob Markstrom. You're talking about, you know, the best goalies in the NHL. And I think that he's going to go into that conversation. Um, and he can jump right into that, that, that top four to six range in the entire league. Um, now, maybe we've got a big blow. When Niskanen retired, how they fill that void will be also be a determining factor. Because when you have a veteran defenseman there, there's predictability in that, especially a top pairing veteran defenseman. There's predictability in that, and predictability is big for a goalie. Because he wants to know where's you know weak side coverage is with a guy like Maniskin, you know he's going to do his job. With younger players, you don't know it. So um, the structure with a guy like Niskin and um, certainly help them as well. How they kind of fill that void, how they play defensively, will um, dictate you know some of those numbers that allow him to to jump into that top tier. Um, but he's got the talent, he's got the work ethic, he's got the you know the the, the approach, mental approach, and and the, the maturity to be able to do it. So I, I expect him to take that next step. So uh, obviously the Carter Hart's a huge story, but another big story we had this season was the Oscar Lindblom's uh, incredible comeback from cancer. 
Uh, he came back and was able to play in the second round of the playoffs. Uh, what do you see for Limblom coming in next semester or next season? Excuse me, um, after having a full summer off and being able to train and get ready back up to full game speed. That's a good question. I don't know. I, I don't know what the effect is of the treatments that he got. Um, you know, it's good that he got into those two games in the bubble against uh, the Islanders, and good to see him play hockey again. Um, what is the effect of the treatments, the surgeries, the treatments and the surgery that he had um, going to have on him? I don't know. Um, but he's an extremely hard worker. He's an extremely smart player, so he'll mitigate that. But um, yeah, I would expect him to be just about 100%. So, uh, relating to another player that we, there's been a little questions about, Nolan Patrick has been struggling with the migraine issue, but we also saw today um, with Whitey's World out in Manitoba that he was doing a, a scrimmage. Uh, what do you think we can expect from Nolan Patrick? Maybe will he play some games? Will he start the season? Um, overall, what do you think we can see from Nolan Patrick in the season? Look, he's scrimmaged in a bunch of these games now. It's kind of like the beauty league out in uh, Minnesota um, that he's playing in. And if he's playing in those games, I suspect that he would be cleared and be good to go in camp. So I expect a full participant, if he's playing in these games, um, to, to be able to come into camp, be a full participant, take contact. If there's any preseason games, get into those and work his way back. So, um, look, he's a, a massively skilled player. I don't know if people realize how good he is. From a skill standpoint, if he just needs to get healthy, stay healthy, and then find his groove in the NHL, and I think he'll be a really good player. I know a lot of people want to give up to him and call him a bust because he was drafted ahead of, you know, Miro Heiskin and Kale McCarr and Elias Patterson. Um, but, but let's not act like this guy wasn't an elite, an elite uh, draft. You know, he, he wasn't a generational player in his draft at the top of that class. Let's not act like he wasn't a really good player, a good prospect. He was, and so I think still is. Yeah, I love the I love Nolan Patrick, and I'm glad you're on the same boat. Uh, what would you say would be his his ceiling? Uh, what can we expect from his like most productive season? How many points would you say over under sixty five points? Uh, second line center. Over. What would you think? Over. Well, I mean, I, I think he's got no, number one center potential skill. Um, he's got a find it at the NHL level, I think he could be, you know, if, if if he can get healthy and stay healthy, to me he's a point-per-game player when he eventually develops fully. So I, I think that an 80-point that that's where I see him. So he can distribute the puck, he can shoot the puck, he's got tremendous hockey IQ, he's got every skill in the book. So when I look at all that, yeah, to me that's a point-per-game player. So Try and get to that. Sorry, Jason, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but moving moving into, um, you know, the older uh, core of this team, I know we talked a lot about the young guys and, and prospects, drafts, stuff like that. Um, looking at Claude Giroux, I know that he may have underperformed um, to some people's expectations in the bubble, um, and, and I think Voracek played not, not too bad. Um, what do you see with these two guys um, with the future, with the Flyers, and, and do you think we'll see something maybe different from them next year um, in a positive light? Well, I think the regular season you saw from both of them was really good. Um, Giroux was the team's highest score from um, the beginning of January till the pause. But yeah, like you mentioned, you know, he didn't, his game never came back in, um, into form when they got into the bubble. A lot of guys didn't. You know, you look at Couturier's didn't. 
Konechny's didn't, and there was other guys around the league. And, you know, we didn't know what that formula was going to be for guys that were going to struggle coming back after the playoffs. Um, and I still don't know what it is because there's no commonalities. So it's just some guys had it, some guys didn't, and he was the one that didn't. But at this point in his career, um, you know, I still still expect Drew to be a 70-point guy. He still has those skills. Um, he's never been a great skater, so it's not like, you know, that, that's been a hallmark of a game that all of a sudden he's lost. He's just never, he's never been a great skater. So, um, and, and to me, his compete level is the reason why he's the player that he is. Um, and his, the way he trains and works and practice every day, when he leads in that regard. And so I, so I think that there shouldn't be any drop off there with regards to the rule year to year. Um, and Borchek, kind of the same thing. Borchek's an easy guy to pick on because you see the turnovers and you see those things. Uh, but the, the problem with that is, is that he's also again 55 points. <laughs> and you don't just pick that away, you know? So, um, he, he's a bit of an anomaly. I, I'm not opposed to making trades of core players to change the dynamic, especially in year two of a new coach. Um, but I think that you have to also be careful. Um, that you, you're not giving up something you can't replace, especially at this time in a flat cap world. Plus, I, I just don't know how realistic it is to trade a player with an eight-plus million-dollar cap hit in a flat cap world for three to five years. Yeah, uh, bring up the coach, Levin. You know, he really set the standard in training camp, um, and and really used to saw it this year. The culture change within the within the locker room and the organization was was really glaring. Um, talking to you know some of the players on the team, really, what was the biggest thing that stood out when they talk when the players talked about Levin, Yo and and really the impact he had on the locker room? I, I think it was just accountability. You know that there was no getting off the hook at any time. Um, there was accountability at every turn for every player. Um, not that you were out to the same, you know, numbers or you were just held to a standard of preparation, you know, competitiveness and controlling what you could control. So, um, and there wasn't anybody that was immune to it. Um, look, he was here to learn say a lot of things publicly. Um, but knowing that those conversations were all with the player happened prior to that. We weren't, the player wasn't hearing about the coach not being happy with their play for the first time in a press conference. <laughs> you know, they knew it was coming. So I think the fact that everybody, if you weren't doing your job or, you know, there was an accountability to it. And I think it's important. Yeah. So um, moving into just the teams in the Metro, uh, which teams do you think would be the most most uh, scary for the Flyers to play? The Capitals obviously added Henrik Lundqvist. The Rangers had the first overall pick and picked up Alexi Lafreniere. The Islanders had already beat us. The Penguins added Kasperi Kapanen. Um, out of all of those, who do you think would be the the biggest threat for the Flyers in the Metro? Um, I mean, look, you look at the Islanders. The Islanders are a weird team. Like they know. They're so freaking boring to watch that. <laughs> like, I, I just can't ever take them serious. And, but they're a good team. And the Wolves, Barry Trotz is a great coach. Um, you know, they, they do good goaltending, and they have Alarmo coming back, and they, they got Ilya Sorokin coming over, um, no more Thomas Grice. Uh, but they're a big, heavy team, too, which makes them difficult to deal with. Um, but, but, like, I look at Washington, and I just wonder, is 
what can Robbie Light do in year one? Well, everyone who's gone in year one has been very good, right? Carolina, his first year there, he went to Cup. Well, actually, it was technically his second year because of the uh, the lost season. Um, he comes to Philadelphia. He replaces John Stevens in December, goes to Cup final. Uh, year two in Nashville, boom, to the Stanley Cup final. He's had success everywhere. Um, but with this team, he's just what they need, but I'm just not sure where the caps are. Uh, as a franchise right now, they don't have a lot coming either um, on the youth side. But the same thing with the Penguins. I mean, this is Jim Rutherford to me, just trying to, you know, use gum and duct tape to, to get this thing together for one more cup run. I don't see it. I don't see where they have it in net. Um, Carolina, not good enough goaltending. But I, like, I don't see much where these teams in the division improve themselves this offseason. I really don't. Um, I look at a, a team like, you know, I'll look at Columbus. They cleared $14 million in cap space. What was it for? To protect themselves against an offer sheet for Pierre-Luc Dubois? Or was that to try and get it on Petrangelo? Or that's a swing and a miss, if it was? Or is it maybe a Matthew Ball offer sheet? I don't know. Um, so, I mean, when I look at this division right now, I don't look at any of these teams and go, wow, they really improved this offseason. I just don't see it. Uh, you know, I see some moves that teams made, but I don't look at these teams and go, holy cow, they're a lot better all of a sudden. The only team that really that I see that really improved itself in free agency in the East is the, is the Montreal Canadiens. And can they be a top three team in the Atlantic Division? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think they're better than the Bruins. I don't think they're better than the Lightning. I don't think they're better than Toronto still. So I think that's, where, that's kind of where I see it. All right, Jason, here is the million-dollar question that every Flyers fan wants to know. How far do the Philadelphia Flyers go next season? Oh, man, that's an impossible question for me to answer. I don't, <laughs> no pressure. I, I, I mean, we're only like a week into the offseason. I don't know how the, the, the whole roster shakes out yet, you know? Very I true. mean, look, I think, that, I, mean, I, I think that, look, we went into free agency, and I, you know, I saw people freaking out on social media. They see all these teams making all these moves in free agency. And again, I'm looking at them going, okay, they're a move, but did they really improve their team with that move, especially in the division like I just talked about? So I, I'm not really, they're not really a team that's in the business of making a move just to make a move right now. You know what I mean? They've got too many young players coming. So uh, I think that they were far more likely to be a trade team than they were a free agency active team. Um, so, and then, you know, the retirement of Matt in this game is, is a big one. I, I got to see how they fill that hole. If they go into the season with the cash space trying to fill it in season or they go into the season with it. But look, they made a huge. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to dodge your question. They, they made a huge progressive step this past year. You know, getting back into being a legit playoff team and a playoff team that should be a playoff team every year, not just every other year stuff like we saw for so many years since 2014. You know, so to me, they're a team that's got to take the next step. They were on about a 99 to 102 point pace. They should be about. They should be a team that contends for the division title again in a full 82-game schedule. And they should be a team. They should be at least a conference final team. So, I mean, you got the goaltender. You, you have this young core and growing, and they got a lot of really important experience this year in the playoffs with Sanheim, Kenecki, Proveroff, Bill Myers, Oscar Lindblom, for that matter. Many other young players got to cut their teeth in the Stanley Cup playoffs a little bit. So the, those players got to wreck 
use that and do the right things in getting ready for another season, another playoffs, and learn from it. And if they do, then they'll be a team that should be a top one-two team in the division and should be a top three team certainly in the conference. All right, Jason, we'll do a quick some buy or sell questions. Pretty simple with the Flyers. I'll start with this one. Hart is going to be a top three Vesna candidate. Uh, would you buy that or sell that? Um, no, I'm not going to buy it yet because the general manager's vote on. Okay. And I don't think that the Vesna to me is more of um, a popularity contest. Like Dasilewski was a, a finalist, you know, mm. and he. He shouldn't have been. His numbers weren't there two years ago. You know, he, he should not have been in that conversation two years ago. This year, yeah, different story. Um, but yeah, with the fact that the general managers vote on that, and I don't think I think they look at wins more than they look at the technical elements of goaltending. And um, yeah, and to me, you have to have a couple of really good seasons before you can get the cachet to be considered on top three level. So for the next one, uh, Jason, we think Farabee to score twenty over twenty goals. Would you buy or sell that? Who was it again? Joel Farabee. Uh, I'll say under. You can say eighteen and nineteen, really close, but um, I'll say about eighteen now. All right, next buy or sell. Uh, Coots will win his second Selkie next year. Nah, no chance. Just. It's so rare to go back to that unless you're burned You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah I mean, to me, it almost seems to me like they're almost going through a cachet of players going, okay, his turn this year. If he has a good enough year, then he's going to be the guy. Eventually, Mark Stone, uh, they're going to go to a winner again. I'm this is going to get one. You know, I, I look at it, and, you know, is Anthony Sorelli, you know, is a guy that got consideration. Uh, I just think it's unlikely that a player, unless he's just absolutely stunning, and I just don't see that, um, is going to win it back-to-back. All right, what about Patrick? His health is being concerned. What about Patrick? Patrick plays over 50 games. Do you buy or sell that? I'll buy that. Yeah. I, I love it. People say I'm freaking nuts for that, but <laughs> I, I'll I buy it. that. I love it. I love it. Uh, what about Provorov winning the Norris Trophy in the next three seasons? Um, no, I just don't, I don't know that he's going to have the offensive numbers when he's got to deal with so many defensive zone starts. You know what I mean? I mean, he's, he's probably, I think it's like 62% of his shifts begin in the defensive zone. And he's got so much responsibility defensively on this team that I just don't know that he can put up the requisite amount of offense to be able to win it in the next three years. Maybe eventually, but I don't know about the next three years. All right. And again, Jason, I'm going to cap it off with the million-dollar question for you. Buy or sell the Flyers win the Stanley Cup in the next three seasons? Um, I'll have to buy it. Yeah. You know, if you have the goalie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, look, you need a really – look, if you're going to win the Cup and what will be a 32-team league, you need a lot of luck, too. Mm-hmm. Now you have to put yourself in a position to capitalize on the luck. And he said, "Yeah, we had a really good team, but then we get so many breaks along the way. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have these little plays that happen along the way in the playoff run. There's only that's the only way you're going to win it. You got to put yourself in position to take advantage of those breaks. Um, 
But if you have the goaltender, and I think that they do, uh, and Carter Hart, um, I think you're a really good coach. And I think you have a really good young core. So I, I, I think that they're one of those teams that is going to put themselves into a position. And, be, and one of the reasons why, guys, is this. So if they don't listen to the, the, the idiots on Twitter screaming yell about signing some free agent, because it's not about you know feeding a frothing fan base something they're used to in free agency. It's about staying the course. And Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet put it best. He said, the Flyers could trade with anybody in the league for any player because they, they have so much that people want. But if everybody wants what you have, why are you trading it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think there's a lot of good stuff coming. I think there's a lot of good stuff already here. Is it perfect now? No. And I get it. People are like, well, I haven't won a cup in 45 years. Well, no kidding. I, I'm, I'm 48. So, the last time they won, I was a walking three years old. But it's not easy to win the cup. It's not like, hey, there's 31 teams. Every team should win it every 31 years. The least... Haven't won it since 1967. The last time the Toronto Maple Leafs won the cup, there were six teams in the league. <laughs> six teams, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you, you look at the last time even a Canadian team won the cup was in 1993 when the Montreal Canadiens won it, Patrick Waugh second. So it, it's, are, are those crappy organizations? No. It's just, it's hard to win, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. You have to have a lot go your way. You can't buy your way to a championship. And in a flat cap world, it's a good thing Chuck Fletcher went to Harvard because this is complicated. No, we agree. And from everyone, from you know, Mark, uh, Mike, and me, we, we really appreciate you coming on and, and talking to the Flyers with us. We all grew up around the game of hockey and really excited for this upcoming Flyers season. So, again, really, we really appreciate you coming on and, and talking uh, some Fly guys with us. Uh, no problem. Anytime, guys. Uh, next, that was uh, Jason Martinez. You can follow him on Twitter at Jason Mert. He's also a host on 975 Fanatic, also has podcast Flyers Daily and Flyers Fix. We'll see you guys next week. Hey, guys. Did you enjoy the show? Well, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Connor underscore Mark underscore show to keep up with all of our content. You can listen to any of our episodes on Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, or any other streaming host online.